It's our post-Thanksgiving service, but we are still giving thanks, right? Amen. We are grateful. Those of y'all that are watching online, welcome. Listen, we are going to lift up the name of Jesus this morning. First, let's pray. God, we thank you for this place that we can come together, a body of believers, thankful for you. We lift up your name, God. Help us to focus on you and you alone this morning in this moment. Your goodness, your mercy, your grace, all that you have done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do, God, but mostly just for who you are. We lift you up. We let you know we adore you. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Come on, give him praise this morning. Hey, there's one name. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus. It's higher than any musical legend. The name of Jesus is higher than any sports giant, right? Any government official, any Nobel Peace Prize winner, whatever, whatever the case may be, Jesus Christ is the name above all names. We're going to lift him up and worship him this morning and praise him. Amen. There is no fear because I believe and there is no doubt because I have seen your faithfulness my fortress over and over found in your grace, your faithfulness, my fortress, over and over, make way through the
Oh, we believe in you, Jesus. We speak your name into every situation. There's no name above yours. Desperation, I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. I'll pray for your healing. The circumstances would change. I'll pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, I'll pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I'll pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I speak the name of all authority, declaring blessing every promise he is faithful to keep. I speak the name no grave could ever hold. Circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' Circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus. I pray for revival. I pray for revival. The restoration of Truest friend, sing. 
worship you, God. You've proven yourself faithful time and time again. In many different ways and in many different areas of our lives, God. And each time we experience you in a different way, we have a new name to call you. Father, this morning I also reflect on the name of strong. You're a strong God. Stronger than any other. There is no one as strong as you, God. You're so strong that you defeated death. Nobody can defeat death but you, God. We lean on your strength. We lean on your strength this morning, God. We look to you, and we look to your strength. The God who can beat death and overcome death. By your son, Jesus, we have access to life. True life, real life, abundant life. You're a strong God. You're a strong God. Let's just take a moment this morning, church, and reflect on the names of God. Is he your peace this morning? Is he your strength this morning? Is he your hope this morning? Is he your life this morning? Is he your joy this morning? Thank you, Jesus. In the tension of in the tensions of our lives, God, we reflect on you and your ways and your goodness. We look to you. We seek your face. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Why don't you say hello to somebody next to you? Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap this morning. He's a good God. Take some time and greet people around you. Be friendly this morning. This might be somebody's first time at church. Make sure you give them a good warm welcome welcome you here. Ushers are going to come forward as part of worship this morning. We're going to receive our tithes and our offerings as a part of our worship service of giving, giving back, giving out of the abundance that God has given us, or out of what we have. And we appreciate um, everyone that gives to help support uh, the mission and vision of the church. Ushers, you can go ahead and start passing those buckets. We appreciate all that you guys do to help keep this, this going. Thank you so much. God's a good God. I want to welcome our guests. If you're with us for the first time or you're visiting from out of town, you're here with family. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for coming. Um, we'd like to know that you were here just by a little information card. It's in your seat back or a link online. You can fill that out. We'd send you a little note of thanks uh, just for being here. There's also a gift if you're here in person that you can get on your way out the door. There's a table on your left-hand side as you're walking out that we'd love for you to have that gift. Just thank you in here. Um, your next step as a guest, we say this all the time, but I'm going to keep saying it just because it's the first time that somebody's hearing it. So your next step as a guest, if you want to know a little bit more about CF Paris and what, what we do and who we are would be to go to our Start Here class. We have a class called Start Here. It's just a quick kind of fireside chat, 30 minutes before church every second Sunday of the month. So that's coming up in two weeks. Um, we'll have that just a, a place for you to ask questions. If you have any questions about who we are, what we do, that sort of thing. So start here to be your next thing. And with that, we've got a few announcements. If you'll turn your attention to the screen, you'll see that there. Good morning, CF Paris. Welcome. We hope everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving, enjoyed some great food and time with your family. We just got a couple of announcements for you this morning. First off, our Paris Community Parade is coming up. It's on December 3rd, and we are gearing up to get our float ready. We've got a really cool idea, and we've won the past couple of years, so we want to do a really special one this year, but we need your help. If you're interested in helping with the float, please contact Melissa Jones, and y'all can be a part of that team to put it together. Awesome. Also, if there are any left, our gifts of love and adopt a foster child cards are still out in the lobby. If there are any left this week, we just want to encourage you guys to go by, pick one of those up, and find someone that you can make the holidays special for. You'll have about another week and a half. We need the gifts turned in around December 5th, and so there's still time to be a part of that great outreach to our community. 
And that's it. Thank you guys so much. Pastor Jones, coming up. So before I forget, because, because last week I managed to look like I forgot and threw it in at the very end of service, and when you do that, it looks like it's unplanned. But I, I want to let you guys know, we've been as a staff, both as a staff and then even calling up our leadership and talking to Ron, my pastor, the overseer here, uh, man, we prayed and prayed and prayed hard about um, how to go about with our Christmas service this year. Um, as a lot of you know, Christmas falls on a Sunday, and there are many, many, many that believe unless you show up to a building on a Sunday morning, Jesus is not with you. Oh, and while I cannot encourage enough the coming together, the gathering together of the brothers, the sisters, the saints, this year, after praying long and hard about it, we are going to be having two Christmas Eve Christmas services. So on Christmas Eve, we're going to have our Christmas service twice. This is beautiful this year because every year we typically do a candlelight service and it's just kind of a shortened, smaller service that we do uh, for Christmas Eve and then we'll have our normal Sunday service. But this year, we wanted to have just a, a very special Christmas Eve service for all of us. There's going to be candlelight involved, um, but we are excited to be able to have two services, Christmas Eve, 5.30 and 8 o'clock. So start making your plans now. Are you the eat first and then go, or are you the go and then go eat? It's up to you. 5.30 and 8 o'clock, we are beyond excited as a staff to be able to uh, celebrate with you, with your families this year on Christmas Eve, guys. It's going to be a great time. Um, I, uh, I want to jump right into, uh, into, into our series here today. And back in the very first week of his piece, back in week one, I, I mentioned something uh, that that. So studies have now shown that the, uh, for the very first few years of your life, your brain is making connections, neural connections from one to another. You, you hear a face, you, you start to recognize that face. You hear a voice, you start to recognize that voice. And, and what it's doing is the brain is actually making around about a million, <laughs> a million neural connections every second. Every second. But then, as if that wasn't amazing enough, the brain, the way God designed the brain, the brain then starts to make connections within those neural connections. It starts to develop highways. So now when you see a face and recognize a face, you also see a face and recognize a voice. You don't have to hear the voice to recognize the voice. It's just one of those connections. Your brain starts to put two and two together. Basically, simply... The brain gets more efficient and starts to think in patterns. Or once you think a thought, it's easier to think that thought. Once you think a thought, it's then easier to think that thought. And the good news is that's great if you're thinking good thoughts. But on the other hand, not so great if your thoughts tend to lean toward the negative. Uh, Think about this today. Think about this. Um, so everybody, everybody here, there's nobody that's, that's removed from this next statement. Everybody talks to themselves. This isn't weird. We do. We, we just talk to ourselves. But, but what do you say to yourself when you talk to yourself? So what does you think about you when you talk about you. Um, if you're like a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, we get stuck in a negative loop, a negative cycle. Um, and, and we continue to kind of think things that aren't helpful. And in the process of thinking things that aren't helpful, this negative loop, it ends up becoming something that's quite often harmful. Um, for example, uh, th there's a lot of people that, uh, I'm talking about the simplistic things of, of your everyday. You wake up in the morning and, and one of those very first thoughts that comes to your head is, man, I've got too much to do today, never going to happen. 
it's the start of a negative cycle. For others, it's getting home every day and then just kind of finishing up and saying, well, another wasted day, got nothing done again. Got nothing done again. Got nothing done again. It's the negative cycles. It's the, it's the I'm always going to struggle. I, I can't ever trust anybody. Or even the things we say to ourselves, you make a mistake and it's, God, man, you're an idiot. You're always going to mess up. So what is it that you say to you when you talk to yourself? Because what you say to yourself matters. <laughs> Hear me. What you say to yourself matters. And this immediately starts sounding like a bunch of hocus pocus, like you're sitting there going, come on. Uh, look at this scripture with me, Proverbs 4, 23. Boom. Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. A lot of versions actually uh, will use, in, using, in translating this scripture, they'll say, guard your heart. And in that culture, in that time, the heart was the source, not the beating of the heart, but the heart was the source from which you did everything. The reason why, the behind the scenes, what's, what's driving you? Be careful, guard it. Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Now, science today, it's, it's called the law of cognition. The law of cognition simply states that what you think then impacts what you believe, which then impacts how you feel, which then impacts what you do. What you think impacts every aspect of your life. The law of cognition, or, or very simply, be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, world, the world very much seems to be getting a lot more negative every day. Everywhere we turn, we can see something else that's negative, that's not right, that's not going the direction that we know it should be going in, whatever it is. Um, and, and negativity has become an epidemic of sorts, destroying mental health. And, and at its root, and I, I pray you hear me because we've talked about, again, the balance of the medical side and the spiritual side. I'm not a doctor. I cannot approach the medical side. But today, in dealing with the spiritual side, at its root, negativity is a spiritual issue. Um, science tells us our thoughts have incredible power. But the good news is that God's word gives you and I incredible power over our thoughts. So while our thoughts have incredible power over us, we have incredible power over our thoughts. Yes, your thoughts are incredibly, incredibly, incredibly powerful. And yes, we need to understand your life is always going to be moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts but you're not a victim of those thoughts. By the power of God, you can choose what it is you think about, thus determining the course, the direction of how you live. I want to I look at a scripture in Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, verses, verse, starting in verse 5, Paul says this. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. So he's saying those who live according to their sinful nature, those who live according to what the world says is what we should be living for. Those who live in that way, they have their minds set on sinful nature, on those desires. Then the good news though, he says, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And then listen to this, listen to verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit, that's where we find his peace. That's where we find life. So... Uh, we need to understand that, that we have, you and I as humans, we have what's called a, a negativity bias. Um, 
Neuroscience shows, the study of the mind shows that negative imprints, negative events, they, they kind of, they imprint on the brain quicker than positive ones do. And in fact, negative events shown on, through science, they, show, they linger longer on the brain than positive ones do as well. We have a propensity towards the negative. Something bad, tragic, or, or unfortunate seems to hit our brains and stick with us longer than something positive. We, we see this play out every day. Uh, social media, what, is it, what's going to go further, something positive or something negative? On, on the news today, whether that be a, a social platform or whether that be a, you know, something that you're still reading this way, what's going to be read more, the negative or the positive? Every time it shows, studies show, it's the negative. We gravitate toward, we feed off of the negative. So even in our own lives, if we think about it, from, from any aspect within our lives, from, from the clothes we wear to the jobs we do, you can have five people come up to you and tell you something you did, something you wore, something was great, and yet you can have one person say something negative about you, and at the end of the day, what are you holding on to? The one, not the five. We have what's called a negativity bias. And God, God designed our brains um, to where in stressful moments, in moments where we feel concern, God designed our brains to release, uh, I'm going to have to look it up, what is it? It's cortisol. Cortisol gets released into the blood system. So when your brain all of a sudden thinks there's something to be worried about, something that's of concern, cortisol is then released into your blood system. Cortisol does this, it, it makes you more alert, makes you focused, it makes you ready to deal with any problem, which is great. Until, until you're constantly in a state, in a mental state of negativity, chronic worry, thus releasing into the body constant cortisol, so your body now is always wired, always ready to feel in danger. Chronic negativity. We then always feel like there's a threat. Something to be worried about. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. You see, when, when most of what you see online is negative, when most of what you hear in the news is negative, when most of the people that you hang around with are feeding you with more negativity, when most of what you say to yourself is negative, when you constantly focus on the negative, what you're doing is you're creating negative neural pathways. Immediate connections that are always negative. Highways that you can fly right down. We're building those processes. And again, once you think a thought once, it's easier to then think that thought. When you focus on the negative, when you think on the negative, when you hang around the negative, when you believe the negative, you're creating these negative pathways that very literally for you become a, a habit. Negativity becomes your habit. It becomes your go-to posture, negativity. In any situation, negativity. It's the thought that says, man, things are going to be bad. Th things are going to get worse. It's, it's the immediate thought that says, well, you can't trust them. You can't, you can't trust what they say. Every, some, somebody's going to let me down. Everybody's going to let you down at some point. Life's going to get worse. I'm, I'm never going to get anywhere in life. I'm, I'm never going to be hap happy. I'm, I'm always going to be stuck. I'm, it's, it's the negative neural pathways that are so easy for us to just jump right into. It's what you say to yourself when you're talking to yourself. The mind governed by the flesh is death. It's... It's the news, it's, it's the shows you watch, the lyrics to the music you play over and over, the social media that you drown yourself into, the people you surround. All of these things culminate together to create a mental landscape that directs your life. 
your thoughts, they have incredible power over the direction of your life. But the mind, governed by the spirit, is life and peace. You have incredible power over your thoughts. Um, what I want to do real quickly, I want to jump into... Uh, Science shows that there's four areas that each and every one of us are prone to negativity. Areas of cynicism that we tend to kind of, our minds tend to hang out in. And, and, and I want to address these four quickly because it's good to look at where it is you find yourself so that way you can then work on it. Not just to know it, right? <laughs> but to look at it, recognize it, and say, this is God, this is where I want to work. Um, According to experts, four big, specific, four big specific areas of negativity. The very first one is what's referred to as relational cynicism. Relational cynicism is the general distrust for anybody and everybody. It's the you can't trust people. They're, they're, out, for, they're out to get you. It's, it's me, myself, and I. They'll take advantage of you. It's relational cynicism. And for some of you, this, this would be you. You don't trust people. The second area is, is also uh, referred to as cynical filtering. It's the idea that you always see what's wrong in a situation first. It's looking for the negative and, and even finding the worst possible case scenario in any given situation. But worse than that, it's not just that, it's overlooking, it's choosing not to see the positive in that same situation. It's assuming the worst possible outcome. You text somebody and they don't respond right back. Well, they're offended and you're going to write them off. I mean, like, they should have responded. It's, it's this absolute cynicism, or excuse me, cyn cynical filtering. The next one, the next one from cynical filtering, the next one is absolute cynicism, which is, which is more the idea of this absolute thinking, this all or nothing, black or white, everything just kind of is what it is. All right. Absolute cynicism. It's, uh, we see this play out when, when a, a female is hurt by a man, and so now all men are this. Or the opposite even. A female walks out on a man, and so now to that man, all females are this. We see it a lot lately as we fight for power. Republican versus Democrat. And the lines on both sides, it's, it's, it's the Republicans who say, I don't see how you can actually worship God and be a Democrat. And then, and then it's the Democrat who, who will look at the Republican and say, I don't see how you can love people and be a Republican. It's this all or nothing, black or white, this is just how it is, how people are. Absolute cynicism. The final area is self-cynicism. It's uh, self-blame. It's always believing that you're the victim. The reason you are where you are is because somebody else didn't allow you to get where you were supposed to be. They stopped you. They hindered you. They kept you from being. They didn't give you the chance. The victim of circumstance. Whatever it is, it's this idea that there's no way to get ahead because the world is stacked against you. And it's only in recognizing which one of these areas that we, that our minds have a propensity to lean, that we can then start seeking God's help to get it fixed. Because can you? Can you shift from a, a negative mentality mindset to, to one of faith, to one that's positive? Yes, absolutely. But, 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 it's not natural. It's not natural to go from negative to positive. Again, our minds, we want to gravitate towards the negative. So it's not natural. And because it's not natural, it's not accidental if you want to fix it. 
you'll need spiritual help. And along with spiritual help, there's going to be some intentional work on your end. All right, let's do it, Corey. I want to look at a, uh, a passage in 1 Samuel 30. This was uh, just a, a great passage I- illustrating how when negativity seems to just kind of bombard the mind, how we deal with it. In 1 Samuel 30, David, King David, his, he's returning back from war, bringing all of his men, his mighty men of valor. He's got these guys. I mean, they're a band of brothers. They live together. They fight together. They go off to war. They come back home. And in coming back home, they find out that the enemy has kind of snuck around the backside, destroyed their city, and taken all of their wives and children kidnap. I want to pick up and, uh, and, and read this with you. In 1 Samuel 30, it says this, When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives, sons, and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. And David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Because things weren't bad enough, let's take David's life too. In talking of the men, it says each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. Understandably so. And in the middle of what could have been the worst, the lowest moment in David's life, with every excuse to be negative, Scripture says this, but David found strength in the Lord his God. In the middle of all the negativity, in the middle of every bit, every reason to fear, to worry, to be concerned, David found strength in the Lord his God. I like the way the, uh, the King James Version puts this verse. It says, in the middle of his darkest moment, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. In the middle of life, when hell itself like was just glaring at you, David made a choice and encouraged himself in the Lord as God. Some of us simply just need to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Um, Now, in this particular instance, in, in 1 Samuel 30, we don't know what it is that David said. Scripture doesn't tell us. But... But as you look at the life of David, as you read through his story, as you read through his life, you can, you can get a guess as to what it was that he might have said. Maybe he said what it was he said another time. Um, you, may have heard, you may have heard this, so, but probably, I pro- probably when you heard it, I'm guessing you didn't hear it the way that David prayed it. Uh, in Psalms chapter 103, the 103rd Psalm, David is talking to himself. He's encouraging himself. And he starts off, he says, praise the Lord, my soul. Now, we kind of get this, this very effervescent, fluffy feeling when we, when we say that. Praise the Lord, my soul. It just feels happy. But, but I, I truly believe that there was more to it. Because numerous times throughout Scripture, David would, would list the difference. He would talk to you about the difference between spirit and soul. David constantly was bringing up, there's the spirit, there's the soul. So David knew there's my spirit side, and in his mind, my spirit side is all right. I mean, like, it's lined up, it's good, we're good. But soul, hey, soul, Man, right now, I need you to praise the Lord. Come on, soul. Let's get with it. Let's do it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. Look, he continues on. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my innermost being. Line up right now. Every bit, every being, everything within me. Line up right now. We're praising God. We're going to praise his holy name. Start worshiping him. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not everything that he's already done for you. You're sitting here wallowing in this mess, but look, he's already saved you from it before. Step forward, he's going to do it again. 
He goes on, he says, the one who forgives your sins, he's telling himself, the one who heals your disease, he's telling himself, the one who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with love and compassion, the one who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He's crying out, remember, he's been faithful. I've seen him do it. I know, I know, I know, body, soul, line up with your spirit. He encourages himself in the Lord. And then, look at this verse with me. Verse 8, he says this. In verse 8, he says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He is telling himself. He's not just flippantly saying it. He's telling himself, and don't you know that David needed grace? (laughs) Don't you know David needed compassion? And so he's crying out, I know the Lord is compassionate. Soul, you're going to line up because you know the Lord is gracious. You know that he is slow to anger. You know that he's abounding in love. He's telling himself. He's telling himself. Who's, Who's heard that verse before? That's a good one, right? The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Are we, are we sure we heard that verse before? That's Psalm 103.8, but, but look here in Psalm 86.15. David says this. David says, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's the one you heard. Wait, hold up, hold up. Psalm 145.8 then says... The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. Again, David still saying, he's not original. (laughs) Over and over and over again. Apparently, when David talked to himself, this was his go-to. This was his line. Now, where did David come up with this? All right, let's throw up one more. Exodus 34, 6. And the Lord passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. David was just quoting God's word. I love, I love, I love. This passage right here is just all of a few verses removed from our foundation. Exodus 34.10. This was a beautiful moment in in Israel's history. This was God recreating the tablets. It it, it was this moment of frustration in Moses. It was this, this point where God himself was frustrated with his own people. And yet in this moment, the Lord says... The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You see, when things got bad for David, David didn't have to go looking for which Bible verse was going to fit his situation. David had already hid God's word on his heart. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. You'll hear a lot of times in the Old Testament, you'll see um, meditate, Psalms, the very first Psalm, Psalm 1, and in his law, we meditate day and night. David talks times about meditating on God's word. I think, I think the, a lot of times when we hear this word meditate, we kind of get this, this picture, this idea of, Shh, you're too loud. Shh. Right? It's like it's, everything's got to be quiet and dark. You gotta, like you got to shut your eyes and you got to bow your head because God can't hear you. Unless, like, and you, there's some, you might have to. But it, meditate just kind of like it feels like you have to, you have to be quiet. We're going to meditate. Um, <laughs> Any time in the Old Testament that you read the word meditate, it can also be translated as ruminate. 
The same Hebrew word that we translate as meditate also translates as ruminate. Now, now how, many, how many cattle farmers do we have in the room today? Yeah, a few people that might know what ruminate is. <laughs> ruminate is what a cow does to digest, chew its cud. And, and what I, a lot of people don't understand is the reason that that's done is, is because we take our food, we chew it up, we swallow it, and it's good, and, but we end up getting rid of a lot of nutrients that we just didn't use, didn't absorb. Cows will actually chew up their food, kind of ground it down, absorbing nutrients out of it, bring it back up to chew it and 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 chew it. Basically, they get every single last drip, drop, bounce of fiber, nutrient that you can out of what they chew. I don't know who took the time to figure this one out, but science actually shows that they, they uh, an average cow will chew somewhere between 30 and 40,000 times per day. That's ruminate. Meditate. Ruminate. Chew. Enjoy. Every bit of spiritual nutrition from God's word over and over and over. Why? Simply so that when you're in a tight situation, you're not fumbling around looking for the verse. Instead, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. For David, it was Exodus 34.10. Or excuse me, Exodus 34.6. The Lord is slow to anger. He's compassionate. He's gracious. David meditated, ruminated on that very verse. Um, I, I, I want to give, give us one other verse. I've, I've got enough time. I wasn't sure if I was going to. But, but if that verse isn't your verse, which I don't know why it wouldn't be, that should be one you highlight and you should sit there and you repeat in your life. If it worked for David who broke every one of the Ten Commandments, it might work for us. Here's another one. Here's one more. Romans 1513. And I'm going to walk this through with you. Romans 1513 says, May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. So, for each and every one of us, we recognize the areas that we have an issue with. Relational cynicism, cynical filtering, absolute cynicism, self-cynicism. We recognize the area and then we come back and we take the verse and, and then we just, we apply it to our life. God, may the God of hope, well, you can stop right there and, 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 and all of a sudden you recognize and like, like this, he is the God of hope. God, you, you are. You are the God of hope. And right now, my situation, my, this, this seems like I don't have any hope. And I know right now that you are the God of hope. So right now, God, I'm coming to you, directly to you, because I've got none. May the God of hope fill me. Fill me. You're the God of hope. I've got none. So I'm coming to you, God, because I need you to fill me. Fill me with your joy. Because, Lord, I know that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Fill me, God, with your peace. Father, I need your peace in this situation. I need peace that goes beyond even my ability to comprehend or understand why I could have peace in this situation. God, I need your joy. I need your peace. As you trust in him. As I trust in him, as I trust in the Lord with my whole heart, as I, as I lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways, I choose, I acknowledge, I give you praise. God, I trust in you. May the God of all hope fill me with joy and peace as I trust, as I meditate, as I ruminate over and over and over again on your word. As we trust in him. 
30 to 40,000 times a day. That's your assignment this week. And go. <laughs> the mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the flesh is death. All the negativity, all the pressures of trying to perform instead of thy word have I hidden my heart. Just planting God's word first inside. Allowing God's word to then sprout up. You're not going to see this like immediately evident in your situation. You're not planting God's word and expecting your situation to go away. You're planting God's word and expecting roots to grow. You're expecting change to come. It's becoming. It's becoming all of who he is and who he sees in us. The mind governed by the flesh is death, it's destruction, it's darkness, it's negativity. And all of that can only come from our spiritual enemy, the father of lies, whose sole mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, but Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly, more abundantly. You see, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Would you bow your heads with me, guys? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word, for your truth, for your faithfulness, God. You are the only one, Jesus, that has the power, that has the ability, Lord, to rectify our situations, to change our moments. And so, Lord God, right now we ask that by the power of your spirit that you would just do a mighty work in these areas where we tend to lean. That you would transform our minds, Lord God, that we would make it a point to recognize those leanings, God, but in recognize those leanings, Lord Jesus, we would instead lean into you. As I continue to pray, if you're here and, and you feel like you're stuck in, in any sort of a negative, cynical cycle. And I, I'd love to pray with you. If you're online, you can, you can say, man, I need prayer. You can raise your hand. If you're here this morning, just a quick raise of your hand. I want to pray with you where you're at. I see your hand. I see you. I see you. I see you. Awesome. Awesome. I see you. I see you. Awesome. Awesome. Let's do this, church. Let's go ahead and stand up together as a, as a body of believers. God, I thank you for your word, for your truth. You are the rock upon which we can stand, Lord God. I thank you for your son, Lord Jesus, the reason that I have hope, the reason that I have life, not just some mundane, ho-hum life, but, but the reason that I can have abundant life. And so right now, Lord God, I pray that you would reveal to everybody across this room where it is that they're most vulnerable. The area, Lord God, the, the, the cycle that they may be stuck in and, and may not even recognize, Lord Jesus. The areas where they've held on to control, not trusting in you. God, it's, it's hard, Father, but, but we take these areas and we lay them before. We give them back to you, God. I pray that you would help us, Father, in those moments where our minds would normally go in that direction to, to recognize it, Father, to start to see it. And then in seeing it, Lord, to, to have a verse, to have your word that we then speak over ourselves, that, that we then speak your words in our life to ourselves, God. Father, help us to hear that your word changes everything. Father, help us to, to ruminate, Lord God, to meditate on those things which are pure, which are lovely, which are excellent, which are admirable, which are worthy of praise. Father, I pray that you would help us to be a voice, Lord God, of hope, of life, of joy, that we would point people towards you, Lord God, allowing them, Father, the opportunity to belong to find, Lord God, the revelation in you of who you are, to believe, Father. And then to walk with us, Father, as we become more and more like you every day. God, I thank you for your word. 
It's in the name of your son that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Guys, God bless you all. Y'all have a very, very wonderful week. Look forward to seeing you coming up this next Sunday. God bless.